Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 217. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot lists, site search, and how to work with invalid contacts in sales. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one focused HubSpot podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, and you know what? I'm feeling good that we've finally given the HubShot site a little bit of love. I know you said it... uh you aptly put it, it's a bit like a cobbler's child, isn't it? That's we right. Neglected our shoes. That's right. Or the or the plumber's bathroom or your know, mechanic's car and all that thing. So we've neglected the Hubshot site for so long, but we're finally getting around to improving it. You know, I found a bunch of broken links on it. This is so embarrassing, Ian. Um, staging link. Oh, my God. I... I'm too, almost too embarrassed to talk about them. This is us keeping it real. This is us keeping it real. Too busy doing client work. Yeah, that's right. And neglecting <laughs> our own stuff. It's, yeah. Anyway, but look, we got rid of the crappy old site search and we put in HubSpot native search in the footer. So we're going to chat about that later in the show. We've got a proper sign up page and we've improved our consulting page. So you can book in with either of us. That's all working better now. Just a reminder to listeners, if you haven't already, sign up. So go to the sign up page or it's up in the menu there, the newsletter. We now send out the full show notes in the email so you don't have to click through or anything. You get it in your inbox, includes all the screenshots, plus includes a whole bunch of additional news stories and articles that we don't get time to go through in the show. So we are planning to build, well, our goal is to build this uh, show notes out to be a very valuable resource and it'll get better and better each week. So make sure you sign up for that. And uh, if you haven't already, that is, and also tell a friend. Uh, We'd appreciate your referral, referring us to your friends as well. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is following on from the HubSpot search, adding to your site. So this is a feature within HubSpot which you have implemented on the HubShot site. Yeah, that's right. Look, it's not a new feature. It's been there for a year or two now. And again, finally getting around to it. But I just wanted to mention this in the show because it's very easy to implement. We used to have this kind of cobbled together Google custom search box up in the top right, and it was problematic for a number of reasons. Anyway, we got rid of that and we've replaced it with the inbuilt HubSpot site search. Very easy. All you need to do to enable it in your own website HubSpot hosted, that is, is create a search results template in design tools. Then you set that template in your settings page. And then you just simply add a search input module, which is a standard module. Um, you just put that into your templates. So I, I actually just put it in the footer. So the global footer, so it's on all HubShot's pages. We've got show notes, which detail the two links that you need to go to on the HubSpot knowledge base. Explains it all. Super easy. I got it done in about 10 minutes. And you can go and check it out on the show, uh, on the site rather, do a search and see how it works. Now, the thing about the site search, it's so fast and it picks up everything. I was searching for obscure little words in past episodes, picked them all out much better than Google in terms of, well, indexing all the site content. And we've got an example there. I mean, just search for the term cigarette. (laughs) <laughs> on our site. Why that term? Because I remember there were these two obscure references when we actually talked about Facebook being a bit like cigarettes and would you advertise on the cigarette pack? I was trying to find them, bang, straight in the HubSpot site search. There they are, came up quickly. So it's really good. 
And the only downside, though, of the site search is that currently it doesn't seem to support search operators. So you can't go this term and that term. But check it out. Uh, well worth it. And yeah, I think it works pretty well. What did you think, Ian? I think it was great, Craig. And again, listeners, just think if your site has a lot of content and you don't have this feature enabled, it'd be definitely worth enabling it on your site. And I know like people that have got a lot of content over the years, we're coming up to what, five years, right, Craig? So there is a lot of content on the HubShot site. So having a feature like this just makes it easy to find what you want quickly. All right, Craig, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is, I'll put together a little process about how to work with invalid contacts. Now, you might get invalid contacts based on incorrect emails. People have actually moved jobs. Emails have bounced. And sometimes if people have moved, you might be lucky enough to get a reply back saying this person has moved and this address is no longer monitored and this is their new address or this is the new person in charge. So it's a great way to do that. So I was working with a client and we just go, well, how do we put a process together to make this a possibility to keep it clean. And initially what we had done, so this kind of included results from, we use never bounce to validate contacts and also contacts that have bounced previously in emails. So I was showing someone relatively new and I said, oh, look, let's do this, right? So I'm just going to quickly talk you through the process. We go to the contact. So firstly, I created, we created a uh, contact view with all the contacts that had bounced or that had never bounced status of invalid or anything that had bounced before. And we went through that list. So the first thing we did was we clicked on the contact. Now, a lot of people don't realize in the search, you can, under actions many, there is a search in Google option. So do that. So click that. It'll open up a new tab. You can search for the person. Look if they've got a LinkedIn profile or any other results. So the LinkedIn profile was really good to validate who they were because we were able to track back and see, oh, yeah, that is the person. It was like his two jobs ago was he was at this particular company. We then disassociated the company from the contact record to make sure that he's not, not associated with that company any longer. Then what we did, we added the LinkedIn bio field into the contact pane. So the person who was going through this could cut and paste the LinkedIn bio into that field. Once they'd done that, another thing they could have done is use a tool called Lusher to see whether they can collect their new contact details if it's readily not available. So that's a tool that we use often to just verify details. The next thing we did after that was create a task to the contact owner to either reconnect with them over LinkedIn or to call them up and re-engage them in a discussion over the phone and update their details essentially. And that was it. But it was a clear process of what needed to happen to get these invalid contacts re-engaged and clean again. So that's a really good process. You've, let's just recap. You've covered a few tools, never bounce, which, by the way, yes. we've covered in previous episodes. We'll include links in the show notes if you want to use Neverbounce. Just use, use the site and... search, Craig. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we use it and recommend it. Then you've searched for them from this list. And then you've used another tool called Lusha or Lusha. Do you want to quickly explain what Lusha does? 
Yes, so that works. I think there's a Chrome plugin and it also operates when you're in LinkedIn. It'll be a little icon on the top right-hand side and it can generally validate contact details. So it might know that their phone number or their email or it might say that this might be a close match based on this company email format. But it's a really good indicator and a lot of the time it's pretty pretty good at picking up and getting right contact details. So it's like a data enhancer in essence. Right. So good tool. And I think they have a five free credit. It's, it's pretty good. So you can check that out. And then you're basically using LinkedIn to find them and set a task for sales rep to follow them up. I really like this because I think it's quite contrarian for people to do this. You know what most people do when someone, uh, well, say they bounce and they go, oh, they go, oh, well, we'll delete them out. They're no longer current. But keep in mind, a lot of the time, this is a contact that you've worked hard to get into your funnel. You've probably used paid advertising or outreach or anything to get them in. So you've done a lot of hard work. And yet when they move on, you think, oh, it's too hard to just check what their new location is. Here's the thing. Instead of um, trying to reacquire a new contact, why don't you follow these up? So I think this is a really good process you've got. It's not that hard for the sales reps to do. Reach out, connect on LinkedIn, stay in touch. Because they've been in touch with you before, that's a warm contact rather than cold outreach. Update their details and perhaps you're actually building a relationship into a brand new company. So well worth the effort. Absolutely. Now, Craig, this process is actually being done by somebody who is doing marketing and sales support and not the actual salesperson. But who's doing the reach out on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah, the person who is the contact owner, who was the original contact owner. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about our HubSpot optimization of the week, Craig, and this is about keeping your lists in order. Look, if you're new to HubSpot, this will be useful. If you've been using HubSpot for ages, you'll be like, oh, this is pretty 101 stuff, very basic. But let's talk about it because we've had client, both of us have had client experiences recently where the client, and in my case, a long-term HubSpot user, didn't really understand the power of active lists. They were doing everything with static lists. Do you want to talk about your situation first? Then I'll talk about mine. Very identical, Craig, where they were extracting contacts and then relearning them into separate static lists to do email marketing and where they could have actually used an active list to get the same result. So we're going to just recap on what the lists are and why you would want to use the lists in a particular manner. So firstly, there are two kind of list types. Let's start with the one that is most commonly used if that people would think of would be a static list. If you've come from some other email marketing system and you've just gone, I just need to create a list. I'm going to load some contacts in there and market to them. That is a static list. So it's something that it doesn't change. And generally we will be used for things like event attendees, staff lists, or internal newsletters, or maybe you were at a trade show probably no trade shows anymore. Maybe you had a webinar, for example, right? And you want to just talk to those people. So that's a static list. Doesn't change. It needs to take an action to send, put someone into that list. You've got to manually add them in and manually take them out. Now, the next kind of list is an active list. And some people might know this as smart list as it was known previously. But I think active is a great name, Craig, because it's telling you that it's it's living and it changes based on criteria, right? 
So a really good thing, uh, and we'll talk about this further down, is understanding you might actually have an active list, which are people that are wanting to hear from you from our HubShots email on a weekly basis. So that will be an active list where people could potentially get enrolled and maybe meet some other criteria. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. So active lists and why they used to be called smart lists is because it's exactly that. You just put criteria. A static list, there's no criteria. You manually add or take away from them. But active or smart, they do it themselves. It's always working in the background based on criteria, filtering criteria. I'll give you a scenario of one that we had this week. They have uh, contacts that have been assigned to salespeople that are no longer part of the organization and they haven't reassigned them until they get new salespeople on on to the team. So when the email goes and because we send it from the salesperson as the, as the contact owner, we didn't want that to happen. So what we did was not create a static list, but we created an active list and we said, put everybody in this list that have these contact owners that have left. So you created that list. And then essentially what we were doing is we we're going to send a separate email to that list from a generic address not from a contact owner, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the ways you would use it in a really simplistic way. It's like, tell me who the people are that belong to all the people that have left and the rest can go to the people that are active and have active salespeople against them. All right. Well, that's quite a, <laughs> quite a very specific case there. But I think what you're highlighting is it's just based on criteria, right? You're filtering. And that's what active lists do. They, they're continually updating the lists. That's why they're active based on filter criteria. And the reason I think this is confusing for some people is because they've come from another platform. Might have come from MailChimp or another system where they talk about audiences or they talk about lists with a different kind of definition. So then they come across to HubSpot and they don't understand this idea of active lists. So for example, in MailChimp with audiences, they have segments. In some ways, segments in MailChimp are the same as active lists in HubSpot. It's just a way of filtering down. Um, now, I'll tell you the situation I had because uh, we, we had a client uh, looking in their portal this week and what they've done is they had a workflow that had criteria and it was about who registered. Uh, actually, it doesn't matter what it was for. It was criteria for doing some some behavior action some action and the workflow just had people based on that criteria come in and then the first action in the workflow was to add them to a static list and we're like why would you do that and so then we showed them you don't need a workflow and then add them to a static list replace all of that with an active list that has exactly the same criteria as the workflow entry and they're like ah now i get it it's active list. It just works in the background. It's not moving or deleting or anything like that. It's just always being updated. So listeners, if you've been long-time HubSpot users, you probably know this. And it's like, wow, that's really simple. If you're new to HubSpot though, this is a very powerful feature on HubSpot that you just might have completely missed. So check it out. We've got in the show notes, the knowledge base article that talks about active lists versus static lists. Check that use it. I would say 95% of all the lists we have in the portals that we manage are active lists. We hardly ever use static lists. Active lists Agreed, Craig. are your foundation. Friend. It's, yeah. It's your friend. They're your friend. 
All right, on to our HubSpot Extra of the Week. And this is a shout out to HubSpot support again. And we've both had excellent support interactions this week. And I just want to say thank you because honestly, HubSpot support, you make our lives a lot better. The reason I want to call it out in the show as well is because it continues to be really good. I think every three months or so we jump on and talk about how good HubSpot support is and it continues to be good. It hasn't degraded. They've grown massively over the last year. Their support has not degraded. It is still exceptional. So well done to whoever's heading up that team and the initiative and the, and the investment they put behind it. It is a differentiator for sure. All right, on to HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. And this is uh, using the consent to communicate checkbox gotcha on forms. And we were using this with a client of ours and they added it. I didn't really check the subscription type. I was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. I tried to create the marketing list off it. And then I realized, hang on, there's something not right here. Now, just so you know, we didn't, we, we don't turn on the GDPR for this, but we use this checkbox in a particular way to get consent on certain things that on certain forms that we have on the site. Now, when you do this, you can have multiple checkboxes based on obviously the different subscription types that you have. And one of the ones that we had and we had accidentally chosen, which is the first option, was we have a sales email, which is the one-to-one interaction. And that's what we had chosen as the communication preference. Now, when I couldn't figure out what was going on, I was like, hang on. It says that I've got 100% opt-in here. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, I realized there were two things happening. If you don't have GDPR turned on all the time, it's going to have in that uh, particular field that you have free consent to communicate with someone, right? So you can't look at that as being the identifier of have they checked this checkbox. What we had to do, which I found out from support, was there is a subscription type. So there were two things we had to do. We had to make sure we had the subscription type correct. And then later on this week, we've added a second subscription type. One was, do they want to hear from sales? And the second one was, did they want to get marketing material from us? So there were two checkboxes there. And then what we did was to put the people into the, who had given consent for marketing, we created an active list. And we said, look, they had opted in for marketing information and they had filled out that particular form. And that's the part that uh, we got wrong and then we fixed it this week. But just be aware that this can take place because you think you're using those that consent tick box and it might work in a particular way, but it doesn't if you haven't got obviously GDPR turned on. So this is the way you would dissect it and that's why it's the gotcha. Wow, that is a gotcha. And also, that's a complex little thing. A lot of people don't really understand subscription types. But one of the wonderful things about HubSpot is when you sign up, you can have different subscription types. You can say, oh, I want to get the blog post, or I want to get marketing information, or I want to get event information, or or product updates, or sales to contact me. So you can have all of these. And then when you get those uh, emails, when sent out, there's down the bottom, there's an unsubscribe link but there's also an update preferences link that preferences takes you to a page where you can choose which of those subscription types you're opting into this is a very powerful feature of hubspot but of course the flip side of great power is there's complexity and in this case it caught out your client and yeah good screenshot there showing how you actually fix that issue 
All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week, using Quora ads. Tell me more. All right. I just thought I'd mention this very briefly. And if people are interested in more information, just reply back, um, send me a note, a reply to the show notes, and I'll, we'll talk about it further. Because I think this is very powerful. We're using Quora ads. We've been using it for about a year or so. And uh, for clients, uh, particularly we deal with more technology clients, uh, it's been very, very powerful in driving inexpensive clicks and yet engaged traffic. So it's not like the cheap clicks you get on the Google Display Network in in apps, which are just junk, 100% bounce mm. rate and all of that stuff. The Quora ads are working really well. And you can I've got a screenshot from one of the campaigns for a client. You can see there's like 14 cent clicks, 17 cent yep. clicks and stuff like that. We're using this. It's engaged, driving it through to the site. And it's also, I think what our main goal is to build retargeting audiences so on Quora, for people who don't know, that's a question and answer site. People ask questions and people answer them. So it's it's very much a top of the funnel piece. Uh, although some some of the questions could be lower of the funnel. What do you think of this vendor, etc.? But it's normally top of the funnel questions, and it drives the ads are driving pe- people through. We're putting them through to blog posts as content, and in some cases to landing pages. Although th- because that's more of a um, you know, sign up gated content piece, they're less effective. So it's really to content, uh, which they do engage with and then retarget through on other platforms like LinkedIn, et cetera, Facebook. So just wanted to mention that we're finding it useful. I, I think it's one of these untapped resources. I mean, I'm not sure why more people aren't using it. Um, maybe they're not aware of it. So listeners, if you haven't tried it, as we always say, test and measure. And we've got quite good at it now and we and they've got lookalike audiences and everything. So if you'd like more details on that, maybe hit us up with a comment or reply to our show notes and um, yeah, we'll talk about it more. And Craig, here's a good example of understanding your audience and where they're hanging out. So clearly in that uh, B2B technology space, people are going to Quora to get answers. And I think you've found something that's pretty, pretty interesting that people might be missing on a daily basis. So well done. All right, a quick tip of the week, Craig. Easy link to a text phrase in a URL. Have you seen this? I, I got this on from Lily Ray on Twitter, uh, and she reminded me that you can basically use a hash, and there we've got the actual uh, symbols that you use, to link through to a certain bit of text on a site. So we've got one you can just link through to shot four on an episode so check it out only works in chrome unfortunately won't work in safari or other browsers but little tip there try it yeah and you know what craig i don't know whether i accidentally came across this whether for some reason google are manipulating search results when you're looking for particular things like this because i remember clicking a link and i got to a page and it was highlighted exactly like you have shown in the show notes oh you're talking about search results snippets that Yes. Uh, That's actually different. This is a purely a URL um, modifier. So, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Google is basically sucking all the content in and just showing you the specific part of a page that answers your question as opposed to just pointing it to the page in its entirety. That's right. All right, Craig, our resource of the week. Oh, the power of social proof. You've got to check this out. Clearbit ran an experiment on their sign-up page, uh, this is a requested demo sign-up page, and they were like, what kind of proof signals will we give? And they used to just have a bunch of generic client logos. What they did is they personalized it. 
So first of all, they switched out the logos they used based on the type of visitor because, you know, they've kind of got reverse proxy identification if this person came from yes. a corporate B2B environment. Right, we'll show you corporate B2B logos. And then what they added was, oh, we'll show you quotes from people that are personalized for you as well. So if you're an enterprise B2B, they show, and in the show notes, they've actually got a quote from Darmesh talking about Clearbit. And they thought, oh, we'll just test this to see if personalizing these social proof signals impacts conversions. And it was astounding. Yeah. 84% lift in conversions, Ian. Wow. It, it's That's it's staggering. So check out this experiment. I've got the link in the show notes. And my head was just buzzing with ideas after this. I was like, wow, <laughs> we should use this on all of any pages. We should put it next Great. to any an ebook sign up or anything as much as, well, I mean, That's we probably right. can't personalize as well as Clearbit's intelligence can. If we know the kind of traffic that we're sending to the landing page Very from powerful. different campaigns, we can probably personalize it more that way. So, yeah. All right. And on to our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Damesh Shah, who's the CTO and co-founder of HubSpot. And it says, many companies have forgotten they sell to actual people. Humans care about the entire experience, not just marketing or sales or service. To really win in the modern age, you must solve for humans. And well said. And you know what, Craig? I even didn't see it. I didn't see the screenshot before you'd put, which actually had a Damesh quote on it. <laughs> now, listeners, there are a whole bunch of uh, bonus links in the show notes. So please subscribe. Go to hubshots.com and subscribe to the show notes. There are lots of good things about maps, iOS 14, e-commerce, and... Bing. Craig, why are you laughing? It's, it's almost like you were wondering, what's this Bing thing? As if you were content. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's an untapped uh, avenue for people in B2B. Bing. All right. So, there are lots of great resources in the show notes. So, I encourage you to subscribe. And if you would like to connect us with, over LinkedIn, please connect with us over LinkedIn. Also, tell us you listen to the show so that Craig will accept your request, else it won't be accepted. And we would love any feedback or anything you would like to say. And listeners, we love questions that we get about things that you're trying to solve because as we help you and as we help each other, we all grow better together. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.